Thank you, Lord, for uh, the blessings of the day. We, we look forward to going to your word now, Lord. Um, all the excitement of graduations and friends coming and going, end of a school year, where we've seen you work in the ups and downs of our lives, Lord, and just been faithful. And we give you the thanks for that. We think of Mother's Day and our, our moms, our families that have been committed to us and the individuals you've used to bring us into this earth and to raise us to the people we are today by your grace. And so, Lord, we have much to be thankful for today. We're thankful for your son. We're thankful for the gospel, Lord, that gives meaning to all these things, these family and diplomas, uh, careers, life, friends, they would really, really be meaningless without you. So thank you, Lord, for reaching down, saving us, and giving us true purpose in life, living for you and becoming more like your son. I pray that in today's lesson we can learn that and apply that for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, we've been talking a little bit as we've been through the announcements and things that summer's here. That's not a, like a flash of lightning. Uh, you know that's been coming. You've been planning on it. You've been praying for it. You've been crawling towards it, whatever it was, right? You're, you're glad it's here in many ways. And with summer, if you've been around the block a few times now with a few of those, some of you grad students and that, or some of you out of college, um, will know that you know, summer brings a whole new dynamic, right? You've known that from lower grades and things as well, that there's a different rhythm to life that comes with summer. It's different from the cadence that you've been kind of forced to live, either in the work life, the academic life, or both that you've been doing. And for those of you that just got done with school, it's see, you're seemingly going from 100 miles an hour to zero. You know, and you stop, right? And it's a good thing you have your seatbelt on, because all of a sudden, there's a bunch of change that wasn't here, things that are different that wasn't here yesterday. What do I do with that extra afternoon? Oh, wow, I, never, I haven't had one of these for a while. I got a little extra time on my hands. I have an extra week before the job starts or before I go back home and come back. There's no curfews uh, right now, once if you're off campus, right? Uh, that's, that's a little bit different. I gotta, I've gotta, I've gotta, my, 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 my nights are going to be a little different. So as you're thinking about some of these transitions and thinking about what's ahead, I want you to think about that a little bit in the summer. I'm just going to just pretend you're sitting at the red light of life right now, out at the intersection over here, Timberlake and Waterlick, right? You're at the red light of life, and you're just kind of in idle, you know, waiting for that to change, and you're thinking, okay, survey a little bit. I'm just going to come drive up beside you, kind of honk the horn, beep, beep, roll down your window, and it's like, hey, let's talk about the summer a little bit. Let's see what's coming out in the future here before the light turns green and how we might proceed before we hit the gas and how God may use this summer differently or let's just say productively or fruitfully for the Lord. If you know, as well as I do, that as soon as you take a breath at the start of summer and exhale, it's kind of over. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, wait a second, I got all this time in front of me. There's weeks ahead. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to put my hair down. I got to get catch up on a little sleep first, get some R&R. &R. Wow, I got to sign for class. I got my books. I got, you know, and all of a sudden, boom. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 reminds us uh, 
of some important truths here. It says this. <clears throat> Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Look carefully then how you walk. Think about it. Put, put some attention to it. Think it through. Be proactive. Don't let just life take you. Think through it and be wise, not unwise. You have to be proactive. I have to think. I have to be engaged. Look carefully then how you walk. If I could just paraphrase it for this morning, we might say, look carefully then how you spend your summer. Okay? Be careful. This isn't just sabbatical time where we just live it for ourselves and I'll get back to serving God in the fall. I know you don't think that way. The summer is a blessed opportunity to make strides in your growth and sanctification. I mean, your shepherds here are so excited for you guys. We, we watch you and look at you. You are different than the day you came in here last August. You've been changed. You're, you're being transformed by the Spirit of God as you appropriate the, 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 the salvation benefits and truths we have in Christ and you're, you're doing and you're acting in faith as you put to practice the things we learn together. And so today's lesson is really intended to plant some ideas in your mind about this summer, how you might stend, uh, spend it to be wise and not unwise, and that by summer's end, we're just more like Christ than we are this morning. So... What we want to think about is really what Clay had spoke about a few months ago when he was in Philippians chapter 1. And it says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. A manner of living. Your lifestyle. How you approach life and how you might do it differently for the glory of Christ. Maybe a manner of living that's not fully surrendered to Christ right now, but you want it to be and you desire it to be and you know it needs to change. A way we approach life, a way we live it for the glory of Christ, matching our heavenly citizenship to please him in how we think and act. And so the question might be for right now, and perhaps for the summer, is how do we develop a manner of life that's pleasing to Christ? That's pleasing to Christ. Well, what I'd like to do today is show you some truths about developing God-honoring habits. That's going to be our lesson today. Targeting God-honoring habits, biblically, God's way, and using this summer to think about this, about really committing a specific area of your life that would be more dedicated to Christ by summer's end. What we're going to be doing is basing it on a book called Heart and Habits by Greg Gifford. Um, this was actually a gift from Clay to me a few years ago. I had read through that. I thought about the summer, I thought about habits, I thought, well, let's bring out one of these books that, you know, Clay, so maybe you've been recommended a few books before by Clay, or he's handed you one. They're always keepers, aren't they? Uh, they're not trivial and important, and this is one of those. Um, so I'll be sharing some truths from this today, and the scriptures, of course, that will help us think about your heart and your habits in the summer ahead here. So. Let's first look at developing God-honoring habits. And we're going to start with this one right here. What are habits? Maybe it's kind of obvious, right, as we think about what a habit is. But I want you to first think about this. 
God has created us as habit-forming, habit-acting, habit-thinking kind of people. Habits are things that are learned over time. They're not, you're not born with a habit other than perhaps crying, right? And other things that happen that need your diaper changed. There, there's certain things that take place naturally. But as you develop ways of acting and thinking, you develop habits over time. And this ability to learn and do things as a habit is a God-given ability. I mean, think about it. This, this habit capacity that God's given to us. There's things you've done today that you've just done unconsciously. You put on your shoes and tied, and tied them, right? If you don't have a slip-on, if you're cheating, right? Uh, my wife's the sandal lady. She, I don't know if she's ever tied a shoe. She's, uh, <laughs> it was either bare feet in India or a sandal. Um, but, I mean, did you really, can you even remember tying your shoes this morning? Those of you that have shoelaces? I mean, you just, you just did it. You imagine if you had to think, well, my shoe's kind of loose today. I wonder why. Oh, my shoes aren't tied. What do I got to do uh, there? And you start kind of fumbling around and fumbling there. And is that how I do it? You know, those of us that have the mental faculties that God's given to us normally, which is like, and and, and you do it, right? You have to think, what if you didn't think about how to get out of bed? Now, that could be a challenge for some of you guys, right? Coming right off finals, right? It's kind of like, maybe that's not the best example, but eventually when you do, right, I get my leg out, and I put my other leg out, and I start walking. It's just what you do. You didn't, you weren't born with that ability, but you just learned to do those. Those of you that brush your teeth this morning, right? Uh, when you get a toothbrush, and you might be thinking, what do I do with this? Well, you naturally just get the toothpaste, and you pour it out and you start going and you just go through the routine, half asleep, getting your done and it's, it becomes a habit, it becomes a routine. It's a, it's a habit forming capacity really that God's given us else life would be extremely laborious, wouldn't it? If you forgot how to sit down and how to watch me and how to read the screen and, and take notes and open your Bible and turn it the right way and I'd go from left to right when I read, I mean these things would be, it'd be very tedious, wouldn't it? And we take those things for granted, but these are, these are abilities God's given to us, right? So when we think about a habit, let's think about these things, right? Here's just a few thoughts. And this just comes from a dictionary here. A settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. So a little slant here about something you're always doing and it's hard to change from. It comes naturally to you. And, of course, that can be a good habit, a good tendency you do regularly, or a bad one. Right? Another one, a regular frequent practice that seems almost second nature. Right? It's a way of living. It's a way of thinking. It's something that comes naturally, second nature. And one here, a usual or customary manner of behavior. How you act in certain places or how you do things or where you go or how you think. Different ways of thinking about the words habit. And we're, going to, of course, going to be looking at this from a spiritual standpoint, moral habits, godly ways, how we act and think God's way in a sanctified manner of living. That'll be our primary focus today to the glory of God. So if we do that, let's look at John Owen, what John Owen said here. Moral habits are nothing but strong and firm dispositions and inclinations into unto moral acts and duties of their own kind. 
as righteousness or temperance or meekness. What are we talking about here? A certain customary manner of living, a moral habit that comes from convictions, held beliefs, growing beliefs and convictions from the word and the things God's given to us, right? And from those firm dispositions, these attitudes of the heart that God works on, moral habits come out of that, a lifestyle dedicated to the Lord and those things we have believed on and are becoming convinced of. It changes our life, our manner of living. And if you think a little bit, you'll remember some moral habits or those who have them in the Bible, right? What was Daniel's moral habit? What did he do routinely? What do you remember? Well, he did a lot of things routinely, but I think of one in particular. He prayed, right? And he continued to pray three times a day, opening his windows towards Jerusalem, even when there was the threat of persecution that did come, those insidious uh, enemies of his, that insidious law they did outlawing prayer. But in 1 Kings 8, 44 and 45, you know, Solomon speaks of God's people looking towards Jerusalem and the temple in times of battle to pray. David prayed three times a day, Psalm 55, 16 and 17, and Daniel developed this prayer habit. It was his routine. In Daniel 6.10, it said, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, outlawing prayer, he went into his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. It was his custom, his manner of living. It's what he did. Paul had habits and customs. He would go into a city where on his missionary journeys, and where would he go? Would he go visit the local mall, the, the five-star Michelin restaurants? He always go to the synagogue, right? He'd go to the synagogue, and being a Jew, he had entry in there, and as was his custom, as it says in Acts 17, 1 and 2, he would go there on the Sabbath and preach the good news. Jesus had certain places and tasks he did routinely. Think about his prayer life. What was routine about his prayer life, either how he did it or the places? What, what do you think of? Early in the morning, right? Why, would, why do you think he would do it early in the morning? Why would he pray early in the morning? Yeah, there, he had always cities of people, right, <laughs> following him everywhere. And not only early in the morning, but where? Desolate, desolate places, right? Many times it was in the Mount of Olives as well. So like Luke twenty-two thirty-nine, 39, he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him. Much of his teaching, prayer life, prayer life prayers to the Lord, in the Mount of Olives, even at that point in time where he was arrested to be crucified. And then Luke 5, 16, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. We see that routinely, a custom, a manner of living, a godly habit. If you really want to think through things, Jesus was born a baby, a man like you and I. We know that needed to be that way, but fully the Son of God. And he had to learn these habits, right? And I'll, we won't chew on that too long this morning, but... He had to learn to speak. He had to learn to live for God. When I say learn, he was the son of God. He never sinned, and yet these were things he 
that became habits and customs in his life, all to the glory of God the Father. Of course, in Scripture, there's ungodly habits as well. Second uh, Peter 2.14 talks about the false teachers that were trained in greed. Right? They were all in it for themselves. They weren't in it as shepherds for the good of the flock. It was all for the good of the false teachers and not the good of those who they were deceiving with their teaching. And we know all too well we have sinful habits that must be undone and replaced with good and godly ones. Here's a second point about developing God-honoring habits, and that's this. Godly habits are a building block of spiritual character formation. Godly habits are a building block of spiritual character formation. And let's just go to a passage here um, briefly and note some things in 2 Peter that talk about the necessity of godly habits and how they form in us the character of Christ and the virtues that God wants for our lives. And let's just look at 2 Peter here. We'll look at a few screens here of a few passages, but we'll start in 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. And I highlight there the first phrase, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has given us everything we need by his power to live for him. Oh, how we've been reminded of those truths in Romans, haven't we? Oh, left to ourselves, utter failure. We can't care for our own sin. We would not seek God without his grace, without his intervention. And then once we have the spirit of God, we can't live with him without his enablement. And he gives us all things to life and godliness through this divine power, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So what he's he's saying here, what I want to take away here, is God has given us everything we need for life and godliness, so don't waste it. Live for him. He's given you everything you need. There's no excuse, right? Oh, we, we, we have fears. We sometimes wonder. The task is too hard. We have a formidable foe, the sin and Satan. But, oh, we look at these promises and we lean on them, right? Leaning on the divine power that gives us all things to live for him. And because of these truths, we can jump over now to 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. That tells us you've got all the power, now make every effort to use that power, to live out these truths. And it says there in verse 5, 2 Peter 1, for this very reason, make every effort, maximum effort. And look at, look at what it says here, to supplement your, with your, uh, your faith with virtue. Look how the building of character here, with virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, Self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with God. And see that progression. You see that character building. You see that manner of living. You see this habitual lifestyle that's being developed for the glory of God, right? And godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Make every effort, that Greek word there, eagerness to do something. And the implication here is a readiness to expend energy and effort. It's like 1 Timothy 4, 7. 
uh, train yourself for godliness, right? It's a training. It's a practice. Uh, any former or current athletes out there? Anybody? You got, got a few there. Some of you guys aren't too sure. I guess I was. <laughs> kind of, sort of. Some of our kids were that way. They either had the, the gene of sports or they didn't, but we still made them try. And uh, one just ran with blocks of cement. It didn't, you know, but he, he was plodding uh, down the soccer field. You're going to learn a few things, and then once you got a certain age, you can do what you want. And boy, he left the blocks behind, and he went to his books. But, uh, well, man, if you want to be good at it, oh, practice, effort. Strain, Yeah, even when you've got these natural talents that others don't have, you have to exercise yourself. And we must do that in our spiritual training as well. These, we, we can atrophy our spiritual muscle, can't we, without a customary way of living, of developing habits that develop character like you see here in 2 Peter 1. And it just closes out great here. In 2 Peter 1.10, it says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Practice a way of living, building character in the Christian life that's all based on God's divine enablement. It requires our effort, and it's something that becomes customary. It's a practice of living. This is what we're going to be talking about with habits today, right? It's really nothing different than we've been talking about before, and all the many times we talk about living a sanctified life for God and putting to use and renewing our minds and then acting on those things and those convictions. But we're talking in the way of habits right now of making more natural ways of living for Christ that may be more difficult to do today because it's not a certain habit of yours. I want to go one more thing here before we get to a list of how to develop God-honoring habits. But one more point in developing God-honoring habits is habits help shape our desires. Now, we know from the scriptures, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, right? The heart has to be engaged. That's the target. That's the goal. That's the seat of our emotions and our affections and everything we are. It all in the heart. Extremely important that we don't work out our salvation with fear and trembling without our heart engaged. A, with Christ as our Savior, where I've been redeemed, I have the Spirit, I've been given a new heart, and now by his divine enablement, changing that heart for the glory of God, that actually desires to serve and please Christ. Yes, sometimes out of duty, but out of a heart that wants to please him in a dutiful way. And if you just look here momentarily here at Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, it says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now listen to this. Our hearts have to be engaged for the right reasons so we're naturally doing the right things. But notice here, where your treasure is, your heart will be. Now it's important to understand that, yeah, if I got my heart right, I'm going to put my treasure in the right place. But make no mistake about it. Wherever you're depositing treasure, your heart's going to go there too. You're going to be molding and shaping desires as you do, as James says. And as James says, you'll be blessed in your doing. Blessing comes from doing. 
We don't change our heart and then put it in the neutral and say, God, now change me. We make every effort then. And as we make that effort, he molds our desires, our heart, to even want the right thing. One of the blessings to Clay and I, the leaders here, is watching you guys invest in our church, making the local church a priority in your life. Clay's laid that out many a time, our church prioritizing, hey, this isn't just a great idea. It's not a social club, so you'll feel good about yourself. This is God's plan for this age, right? It's through the church he accomplishes his will and his purposes in you. And to be separated from that, you're far less than what God wants you to be. And you guys have taken that to heart. And then you've done. And you've been laying your treasures there. And I've watched God mold your desires from that, mold your heart. Many of you have a greater desire for people than you ever had before. Why? Because when you come here and you're committed to the church, you hear about the needs of those around you. You see people getting baptized. You see sins being confessed. We're praying for each other after our gatherings. And you're like, I want to be like that. It changes you. But what did you do? You committed to the church, right? I'd be thinking, man, I've been attending for a while. I've got that down. Now it's time to serve. Clay sends around the clipboard. Conviction sets in. I, I want to do this. I, I, I want my heart to be close to God, and I know this is the right thing to do. And what do you do? You do that. What do you do? You go into that ministry. God starts blessing. God starts encouraging. God starts bringing other people into your life that haven't been there before. They speak into your life. You see more ministry opportunities. What God's doing? You, with that first act of obedience to do, I'm going to commit to the local church, God just blesses and blesses and blesses and molds and shapes your heart to be like Christ, the blessings of obedience. Oh, we could talk about that for a while. What we're going to do is look at elements of developing a godly habit. Now, this is going to be a lot of information right here. You don't have to write all this down yet. We're going to go point by point, all right? We're going to look at five different elements here of developing a godly habit. All credit goes to Christy to making sure this acrostic actually worked, okay? It is her. I had this complicated seven-point thing that started with E words, and it was very, yeah, it was, it was not going to be edifying to give you another E word. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't helpful. My dear wife said, oh, we got to reshape this, and uh, here we are, and uh, so we got elements of developing a godly habit. We're going to talk about a heart directed toward God. We've been talking about that a little bit, so we'll go there briefly. We'll talk about an aim for a specific habit to develop. That's going to be important for this summer. Well, I want you to be aiming at something specifically. In other words, I'm not just going to like, I want to be like Jesus this summer. Great place to start. But I want you to get more specific than that, right? Because you'll take that breath and all of a sudden summer's gone. And I still want to be like Jesus, but I haven't changed, right? So we're going to aim for a specific habit to develop. We're going to build a pattern with frequent goals. We're going to talk about incorporating accountability and environmental controls. And then we're going to train through constant practice, Okay. This is working out your salvation with fear and trembling, okay? This is the work part, making every effort part. And I want to talk, we're talking about all that hard stuff to make sure, I mean, we're just not being a moralist here and a clean, squeaky, good guy or girl for the Lord. It's about doing it for Christ and for the right reasons when we talk about habits. So let's start here with a heart directed toward God, a heart directed toward God. The target is the heart. God wants your heart. You guys know that. Nothing less when I was doing my grad work at Texas Tech, 
Go Red Raiders. Uh, one of the books they had us read uh, there uh, was Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Maybe you've heard of that. 40 million, only 40 million copies sold. Um, Stephen Covey. And uh, it's, a, it's an interesting book. It's a helpful book from a secular perspective. I remember reading that as a believer and being a little angry because he borrowed a lot of wisdom from Proverbs. And being a Mormon, it just, yeah, I, I didn't like that. It just, he was, seemed to be stealing, right, these things. And yet there's proverbial ways of living. But, you know, you, you look at uh, the good effort and self-control, you can become a highly efficient, productive, successful person that surpasses all your goals and you get the admiration of the world and you miss the whole point. 2 Corinthians 5, 15 says, And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for their sake and was raised. We know Matthew, in Matthew, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and all your soul, and all your mind. And, and Sorry, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The heart, the heart, it's the center of it all. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. We must tend to the heart. God-glorifying change that lasts comes when our heart changes. They're committed to God. They're committed to his ways. We're sacrificing our, our thoughts, our emotions, our, our intentions to him and his purposes. This is not a passive activity. We don't wait for certain feelings. We engage the Lord with our heart and address those sinful, fleshly tendencies that want to go far away from God and his goodness and commit our heart to him. And we know, you know, if you've been here at Timberlake for a while, we, we emphasize the priority of the heart because the scriptures do. The work of the Spirit includes a God-dependent, truth-driven, grace-fueled efforts on our part to change into his likeness step by step. And that starts with the heart. So as we go into habits, please... Understand, we're not talking about just cleaning up your life here, outside, without taking care of the inside. We must apply the heart. Secondly, elements of developing a godly habit aim for a specific habit to develop. We have to aim specifically. God wants me to change into the image of Christ. And man, sometimes you look at that and it seems like your whole life's burning down. Or you look like a construction site, and there's materials all over the place. And you know it's supposed to be built up to look like Jesus, but do I start with this brick, or do I start with that hammer, or this two-by-four? And you're just like, it's just like swirling around. Where do I go? And there's so many things that have to change. Well, here's where you'll start. This is where the book takes us a little bit. First start here. Consider your spheres of life. All right? Not the only way to look at this. I'll take a little time here to make sure it's not misinterpreted. But there's certain areas of your life you're called to be faithful to. Several of them, many of them. And they're categorized here. There could be different words. We'll talk about each of them. But it all starts with a spiritual foundation of the personal family, school vocation, and social. We're called to be faithful in each of these areas. Let me explain them a little bit. Spiritual domain. How you relate to God. How to serve him better. In the word. In prayer in service, in the local church. It can't be devoid of the local church. We've been talking about that, right? 
the spiritual domain. Out of this, everything else will rise and fall, right? Without a relationship with Christ, you can have great personal family, career, social interactions, and gain the whole world and lose your soul. You've got to get the spiritual foundation first. And what we'll be talking about today in developing a specific habit is probably focusing here first in anything that needs to be addressed, all right? But we'll talk about that more specifically. But that really has a play in how the success of a personal domain, where you relate to yourself, your sleep habits, your eating habits, time management, exercise, organization, all of which can affect the spiritual domain, right? If I'm not getting good sleep, I can't really be engaged here spiritually to hear the word this morning, right? It was the wrong week to say that. Sorry, guys. Uh, after a busy week. But you know what I'm talking about, right? They interact with each other. And sometimes i got to take care of a personal item, right? Eating right, caring for my body to be able to address things spiritually properly in my life. The family domain, prioritizing your interactions with family. This may be a habit of just, you know, being still perhaps, most of you, still under the authority of your parents, they're still supporting in you in some way. You're kind of in that little middle ground here of learning to be independent and still under the authority of the parents and just learning to do that well. That all changes when you marry somebody, right? Now this becomes a real big priority in caring for a husband, a wife, children, and developing that sphere of life to the glory of God. School, vocational domain, right? There can be habits like making sure you come to work on time, uh, eliminating distraction, refusing to gossip at the, around the water cooler, honesty, team, teamwork, and the social domain, friends, neighbors, coworkers, intentionally serving others, just different spheres of life we're all called to be faithful to. That's just to give you a snapshot of life, okay? Just one way to do that. Now remember, look at this. Look at that, all the spheres of life. We're called to be faithful in all those. I can't say I just want to be a spiritual man, but not focus on my body, my family, what God's called, what God's working in my life as far as academics and my work ethic, and how I relate to others in a social sense in my community. We're called to be faithful in all those things. And they, they do interact with each other. So we're not picking and choosing, like, well, spiritual is the most important thing, so I'm just going to be a spiritual man, get my devotions down, get my prayer life down. And I'm not going to be concerned about these other things. And, and that's, God calls us to be faithful in all these areas, okay? But we need a clear target. What do we focus on right now? If you're going to focus on a specific habit, I want you to think about choosing a specific habit to develop in one of these spheres, one of these areas. All right? Let's just look at spiritual, the spiritual area for a second. Maybe the spiritual habit of fellowship. Maybe I, I just want to get something I don't feel connected to this church and this body. I've been coming. I've been enjoying. I've been growing. But I know college people. I want to know more. Maybe there's something, another dimension of fellowship you want to target to always like, I'm going to, every time I come to church, I'm going to learn someone new that I don't know today. That's going to be my goal. And when I come into the lobby, I'm going to say hi to Danny or Ronnie and introduce who I am instead of just walking past them and, and accepting their greeting every time I come in. Uh, and when you're walking out, and, and just think of, of, of just giving you an idea for a habit. How about the personal habit of physical exercise? That would be a personal habit. 
Maybe a frequency of saying once per day, five days a week for 30 minutes, I'm going to be on the treadmill. I'm going to get my body in shape. Maybe the family habit of communication. I'm going to start today by calling mom and, um, on Mother's Day. And uh, I'm going to phone my parents every Sunday, share my life, and I want to hear about theirs and get prayer requests. Maybe I need more productivity at work and a goal that by the end of each day I will work strong until the end of the day. I remember working with a guy in the factory way back in the day. Yes, there were the 80s, and people did live back then. I was one of them. And a uh, big factory, 5,000 people. And uh, I'm a young engineer. It's 4.30. No, sorry. 4 o'clock. We're getting off at 4.30. Whistle's about to blow. Yes, they used to do those things, like Fred Flintstone. And you do run to your car, and yeah, you start the ignition. Don't use your feet. But and yeah, we we ready to go, but you know, four o'clock, I'm ready to check out, I'm organizing my desk, and a problem comes up from the shop floor, and I'm thinking, eh, I'll get to that tomorrow. And this coworker next to me, his name was Tank. He was a big guy. Tank Hurley. He's like, Come on, Rich, let's go take care of that problem. And I'm thinking, Hey, I'm in neutral, man. I'm <laughs> I'm done. I've already checked out. He's like, Come on, he pulls me out there and I had a productive last hour half hour of the day. I found out I had a habit of kind of checking out, you know. I just kind of organized this, fiddle with that, diddle daddle with that. And he taught me the habit of working all the way through. It was helpful to me. Again, we're talking about things we can develop as habits, a pattern of living that's more committed to Christ and is more, more productive for his glory. Lots of other things we could talk about um, in the spiritual spheres if I want to be more devoted to the local church, maybe your, consistent, maybe your attendance at church is not very consistent. Maybe you know other church members uh, that you want to know better uh, attending the PM service. Maybe you're like, wow, that's something I like to add. I have time? I'm going to add the evening service to my repertoire of things I do this summer if that's something you can work in. Identify and serve consistently in different areas. Maybe you want a closer communion with God. I'm going to focus on my time in the Word and prayer, get more out of the sermons. Maybe I'll start taking notes. Maybe that's something you think will be helpful, so you'll develop that habit. Taking notes is not a live or die, holy, unholy kind of thing, but if you want some help and want to develop a good habit, that might be a place to start. Serving others, right? Just being a dependable participant in ministry, praying for others, listening to others, mentoring others, being hospitable to others. So think about different areas like that in the spiritual sphere and target one, all right? So think about that. If, you know, really, I don't have to have you probably think very long. If you've been being mentored, the words that work in your life, you've got a list already, right? There's things I want to change in, and I want you to choose one, all right? And then as we look at the elements of developing a godly habit, let's build a pattern with frequency goals. I have to develop a frequency. If I want to develop habit and make it consistent, something natural, make it a customary, make it a manner of living, I have to establish a goal of how frequently I'm going to do it. I can have a great goal of doing devotions, but if I'm just going to wait for the feelings or the time, I might get to it every three weeks, right? And that could happen very easily, can it? I need to develop a frequency, a time, something specific, okay? There'll be practice, practice, practice with a regularity. And to develop a habit and a target, you have to define that regularity. Make it specific. God ordained a cadence of obedience, right? He had Old Testament holy days. He had Sabbath worship. 
Today we have the Sunday gathering of God's people. We give on a regular basis. We're to have communion on a regular basis until he comes. So we look at these things and we can look at different areas where we can develop a frequency, right? Devotions, getting up at a certain time, doing that once a day, maybe with a goal of five days a week. And with this frequency, right, I commit to that and then practice that. We'll get to practice here in a moment. So you develop a, a pattern, a frequency goal. If I'm going to do exercise, we've talked about that. I have to be doing that on a regular basis or it just doesn't happen. We've, you guys have done, done that before, right? We've gone in and we've quickly gone out if we're not doing it frequently. When you get the frequency thing going, you have an opportunity to make it a godly habit for the Lord. What helps you in that, in our next element here, is when you incorporate accountability and environmental controls. It's hard to do this thing on your own without doing some special things. And one's just accountability. We need each other. Growing in the Christian life, you know, is not an, an isolated effort. When I come here on Thursdays to Grace and Grant and the men's discipleship, I'm encouraged by these other men to live rightly for God. There's an accountability there. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13 says about exhorting one another every day until Christ comes so that you won't be deceived or hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. There was a time when Christy and I were late every Sunday morning to church. Not a thing we glory in. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a habit we had in college. I'd pick her up late. We'd have breakfast at her house, you know, where she lived at home. She was a commuter. And uh, her mom and dad were faithful and giving me breakfast, and I enjoyed that. And we'd sit down a little while, and we were always like the Sunday school. We always, always had to sit in the front row because that was always available uh, in our Sunday school class in Toledo, Ohio. And we carried that habit into our married life, and it was like, man, we were missing music, we were missing announcements, we just weren't into the flow of things when the service started, and one Sunday morning when we were 15 minutes late again, I'm like, Christy, man, we gotta, we gotta do something. And she knew it too, I didn't have to tell her. And we kept accountability with each other. Okay, starting next Sunday, we're getting up a half hour earlier, and we're gonna leave 15 minutes earlier. And you guys, we, we developed a habit, we helped each other with it, being accountability partners to each other. And we haven't looked back. In fact, we've, we've chuckled with our kids. We would be on time. We'd always be the last ones out as well, right? So we, on the front end and the back end, we were coming in first and we were leaving last. And not that that's holy or anything, but we just developed habits that changed, revolutionized what we got out of the church. If you struggle with being on time, that might be your habit. And you help somebody. Maybe you need Maybe your ride's always late. You've got to find another guy to drive you to church, right? And that just may be the thing you need to do. Make a change, right? Whatever that, whatever that takes. Maybe it's a roommate that is up earlier and you say, man, please help me to get up. And maybe that's an encouragement to get to bed earlier as well. Lots of things that go into that. Then there's environmental controls as well. If I want to get to church regularly, like I said, you might just be changing who you get a ride with. Setting aside perhaps more time of your Sunday as a day of worship. So maybe in the environmental control, you design your Sunday so the AM is off limits. There isn't like people calling you to go golfing and uh, 
you know, the sports club or these different things that just interfere so quickly. So you control your environment. If I want to improve my habit of prayer, finding in a quiet, isolated place, removing distractions, maybe I keep a prayer journal. These are environmental controls to help you. Think about those things that are either distractions or things you can add to help you fulfill the goal. And then finally, um, it's training through constant Practice, 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 practice. I can't say it anymore. You've got to do it over and over again. This is the effort. It's not man-made effort. If it's fueled by a God-dependent spirit, like we saw in 2 Peter, and then strives to be like Christ in that area, developing a manner of living. Hebrews 5.14 talks about the powers of discernment that are trained by constant Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put, as we close here, uh, a sheet. Um, Christy, maybe you could put these in the back for me. Could you do that? And um, you can, we don't have time to pass those out right now, but we'll put them in the back. And on your way out, if you want one, what this is going to be is a godly habit plan for the summer. And this is something you can just kind of commit to on paper. What you're going to focus on as a habit to develop. It could be in from any of those spheres of life, but I would encourage you to stick to the spiritual sphere if there's things that are lacking there. And you'll see each of the items here, a heart directed toward God, aim for a specific habit to develop, build a pattern with frequency goals, incorporate accountability, environmental controls, and then train through constant practice. And what you'll see on here is an example of how to like improve my devotions, my habit, my manner of living, that invests in the Word of God and in prayer and my communion time with God. And it'll go through an example there for each of those areas. And then you put down your specific goal. You commit it to paper and, and get to work on it. Don't inhale and exhale and see the summer go by. Find a habit to develop. Engage your heart. Commit to something. All right? And believe me, guys, when you start, you've seen this in your own life, when you commit to one thing and develop a godly pattern, it flows into other areas of life and helps you in those other areas where it seems so overwhelming. When you commit to one thing, God blesses you in the other areas as you develop that godly way of living. All right? So those will be on the table on the way back. If you want one, I encourage you to take one and commit that to the Lord. Let's close in prayer. All right? Father, thank you for the beauty of habits, how you've developed that in our lives, the capacity to live for you customarily in a manner of living. And we know that doesn't come naturally, Lord. What comes naturally are sinful patterns. We want to put those off and put on Christ. Help us to replace ungodly patterns of living. Renew our minds with truth. Commit ourselves and our hearts, Lord, to to, to developing a, a, a character formation and habits for your glory. And may it start this summer in each of these students' lives, each of these young people, Lord, that they would commit something to you. And may we be more like Christ by summer's end, by your grace and mercy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.